If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. Hey, what's up, folks? Uh, My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad podcast. Uh, I hope that as you're listening to this, um, whenever that happens to be and wherever you happen to be at, that you were safe and healthy and everybody in your world is safe and healthy as well. Uh, my guest today is Annette Hines. She is the founding partner of Special Needs Law Group of Massachusetts. She is host of the Parenting Impossible podcast and author of the book Butterflies and Second Chances, A Mom's Memoir of Love and Loss. Uh, Annette speaks across the country and uses her experience to help um, the special needs community. She's an advocate. Uh, she specializes in special needs um, related law, and she is here today to have a conversation about education and and what our rights are as parents uh, in regards to you know the control we have over our child's education. So a couple of things we're going to touch on are the differences between uh, the non traditional schooling. Uh, options. So we're going to talk about homeschooling versus distance learning versus um, remote learning versus uh, even unschooling, which is a thing. And, you know, there's, there's no judgment involved in this. And it's simply trying to educate you on what your options are uh, as a parent and and help you understand the differences between those options so that when it comes to making a decision for your child, for your family, you have information uh, to help you make the best informed decision you can uh, for your situation. So uh, I will play that interview for you in its entirety uh, in just a second. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Thanks. And we're back. And today I have Annette Hines uh, with me. And Annette and I have have been sort of, well, I was on her podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. A couple weeks ago. And then she was supposed to be on mine. I don't even remember that it was like earlier and earlier this year, I think. Right. Or was it end of last year? It all stirs together now. I don't remember. Uh, and then, and then we talked about this in yours and we'll make sure we plug that your podcast in here too. Um, they, uh, right before, like it was, it was, we were supposed to talk at like two o'clock and at one fifty nine, I got a call from the school that I had to go pick up Emmett and, and I felt so bad canceling at the last minute. And then we talked about it on uh, the episode that you and I were on on yours, um, where where we talk about how parents have to, like we were constantly apologizing or something for uh, scheduling conflicts and things that come up. Uh, but we, we, we saw it through and we're, we're connected now. So I really appreciate you 
uh, sticking through this and, and coming to hang out for a little bit. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm laughing because as we joked about before, if you have never had to apologize for missing something or being late to something or having to reschedule something, you are not a special needs parent. Or you're, sure. or you're not doing so, it right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so as, as Rob mentioned, uh, my name is Annette Hines. I am a special needs parent. And I say that even though my beloved daughter, Elizabeth passed away six years ago and you know, I often struggle with that because um, I find myself sometimes feeling like a mom without a country because, you know, I, I think, am I still a special needs parent? You know, I am. Even though my daughter's passed away, I still am a special needs parent. And I write about that a lot, actually. Um, so I'm, I'm a parent. I'm an attorney, a special needs attorney. I have been for over 20 years, even though I know that dates me and makes me feel like an old lady. I'm an author of a book about my life with Elizabeth, and I'm a podcaster too. Rob was on my podcast around Father's Day. That was so much fun. That's what it was. He's so much fun to talk to, as you all know, because you listen to him. Um, and I'm a blogger and um, a lecturer all over the country. So I have a lot of fun talking to many families with special needs kids. So that's what I do. You're very busy. Uh I am, but and, I love it. Right. And, and first of all, I just, we've never connected on this, but I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, Thank you. it's, that's not something that I, I can even imagine. Um, and, and you've turned it into, you're, you're doing something very positive for the community. And, and I just applaud you for that. I'm, I'm grateful for that because you know, when, when you help to make changes or when you help to advocate that, that impacts everybody. And, uh, and I really appreciate that as, as a father to, to three kids with special needs. So thank you for that. And thank you for your time again. Um, we were, one of the things that Annette and I were talking about was, uh, this whole COVID-19 thing and how it's impacting school. And, uh, we wanted to have a conversation today about, um, the different, you know, parent, parents want options right now because a lot of people are not comfortable sending their kids back to school this fall. Uh, parents are looking for alternative means of educating their kids, whether it's, uh, online or remote learning or, or something along those lines. So, uh, Annette is going to help us better understand the differences between, we'll say what the, the four main types. Sure. If we want to include, let's call them four. We'll call them four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there's, there's homeschooling, there's online schooling, there's, um, sort of remote learning, and then there's, there's unschooling and, uh, and that's going to help us sort of understand the differences and how, um, how we can sort of educate ourselves on, on what those options are, I guess. So what we really want to understand is, are you doing true homeschooling? versus some form of distance learning versus being enrolled in public school, but just being connected to online learning with your public school, okay? And unschooling, which is just a whole nother thing. I mean, it's, it's a thing that's not a thing, right? So um, back, Back before COVID, homeschooling was just all kind of lumped together um, and was, frankly, really kind of frowned upon. I mean, Rob, what did you think of homeschooling before COVID? What did you know about it? What did you think about it? Well, be honest. I, I, be honest. I thought it would be absolutely crazy for me to try to do that. <laughs> Um, right. Uh, well, as a parent with special needs kids. Yeah. There, there's myself personally, I, I could see some positives to it because I, I like being around my kids and I, I would like the idea of being able to experience them learning like they did at school. Um, but the idea of taking that on myself um, was not something that I thought that I could do. I, I, I sort of thought that um, I, I guess you talk you kind of see maybe those kids as sort of more uh, separated from society 
right? Like right. there's there's not a lot of social engagement. We you assume there's not a lot of social engagement, and yeah. that that somehow the education they're getting is going to be substandard. That's perhaps. the stereotype. That's a lot of what you would see in the news and in mainstream journalism or what you would see on TV or hear about, especially if you live, you know, in sort of big cities or in, you know, big, big city type areas, you would hear mostly more negative, more negativity about homeschooling. You would, you know, think of it as either, you know, kind of a religious thing, you know, more uh, people would do it for religious reasons, or um, people were doing it um, because they were uneducated, and they didn't want, you know, their kids to be in school with other, other people, people who are different than they were for, you know, all kinds of weird reasons, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's actually pretty that 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 did happen that there is you know that small number of folks who would do it for those reasons but that is just not the norm of what homeschooling was all about and homeschooling was broken up into those different categories that rob and i just were first you know leading off with so um unfortunately you get you know these big best-selling memoirs like Tara Westover's book about homeschooling, um, her book, um, Educated, that, you know, kind of hit the, the mainstream and make you think about things like that, right? And so um, that's all you see and hear about. So you don't know that average, typical American families like myself were homeschooling their kids. And these are people who are educated. I personally and my husband have doctorate degrees, you know, and we chose to homeschool my other daughter, Caroline. Um, and I'll go into the reasons for that in, in a few minutes. Um, but the trying to, you know, get past those stereotypes was very challenging and difficult for a lot of families and and for my own family as well um and homeschooling um because it came in so many flavors and because it was different all over the country it wasn't homeschooling was not very well regulated and um, it's, it's not something that, um, if you live in Idaho and you live in Massachusetts and you live in Colorado and you live in Maryland, it's going to necessarily look the same. So you don't necessarily have to report to, um, your local educational authority in the same way. And that was another reason that people tend to be a little bit skeptical and a little bit more fearful about it. Okay. Is that so? So, so you mean like there's not like a, a national standard? Right. Okay. Right. So having said that about homeschooling, let's just say that right as of right now, parents still have a right to educate their children at home if they choose to. So there's still a right. You do not have to legally send your children to school, okay? So you should know that as of right now, under federal law, you can still, and state law, you can still bring your children home and educate them at home, okay? So parents still have choice about that. But each state, has its own requirements about what the standards are for families to be able to do that. So in some states, you're going to have to maybe file a, an ed plan. In other states, you may have to have some kind of standards where the parents can prove that they are, you know, up to, you know, certain 
certain ability to be able to educate their child, for example. Um, most places, that's just not true. You know, you can bring your child home and you can do the education merely by being, by saying, I'm going to teach reading, writing, arithmetic, and that's it. You know, I'm going to follow the, the core curriculum that the state sets out, but you don't have to file a lesson plan. You don't have to do anything like that. Okay, so um, let's now kind of move into what the differences are between homeschooling and what we call distance learning. And then we can talk about online schooling with your school district, because those are really three different things, all right? So back in the day before COVID and before everything got very, very complicated, what you had as options available to you were you as the teacher or a program that was set up for you where there was actually a, a teacher and you could do distance learning. So do you remember, Rob, where they would have those um, very old fashioned, I think you're younger than I am, but they would have those correspondence schools where you could sign up and you could do the courses by sending things in the mail and you would do the first course and then, you know, you would fill out the exam and send it back in and they would grade it and send you the next piece. That was the beginning of what distance learning was all about. Only now they do that online. And that is where you actually have a school, you actually have a teacher, and many schools have this where they're completely online, but it's distance learning. Colleges do this and you know, law school does this to a certain extent, different places do this. Um, but you, so the curriculum is set for you, but you are just not actually going into school. And they actually have this set up with public school. And this is what we did for my daughter, Caroline. We did, we chose to do distance learning instead of doing complete homeschooling because I didn't want to be the teacher and I didn't want to set up the curriculum for Caroline. So I signed up with a public school in our state that was completely um, online. And it's a school called K-12. And they are available in, I think, almost every state. And this is not an advertisement for K-12 at all. I'm not going to vouch for whether they're good, bad, or whatever for your child. But this is what we chose to do um, some years ago for my daughter. It's been like 10 years now. Um, and we chose to do this for my daughter, Caroline, because she was dancing full time. She spent about 25 hours to 30 hours a week dancing, almost at a semi-professional level. And if you've ever wondered how those little kids who are acting on Broadway or in movies or dancing or they're little, you know, athletes or just, you know, have, you know, some kind of, um, talent like that how can they do this and still be in school distance learning and tutoring is generally how they do it so they have some combination of distance learning where they'll be online schooling you know one to three hours a day and then they complete their schoolwork and they are um and, and they have a facilitator. In this case, I was the facilitator. And Caroline actually had a tutor at her dance school as well, who was there to help her finish and do her homework in between all of her um, dance programming. And we decided to do this. It was the right time of her life. She did it for about, um, I can't remember, maybe it was four years. And um, 
at that time when she hit high school, she decided that she didn't want to do that anymore and she wanted to go to public high school. So that was a the right choice for our family. My daughter Elizabeth was very, very sick and um, there was a lot to manage. So um, it, was a, it was an opportunity for us to manage all the moving parts. Rob, you know full well what it's like to manage a lot of moving parts. Um, the interesting thing for me when Caroline was doing this, um, this online schooling and I was her facilitator was I got to really know Caroline very closely and what her skills were. And I learned um, a lot about the fact that she was having a lot of learning difficulties, some executive function challenges. And um, it was amazing really being up close and personal with her learning. And Rob, I don't know if you've been experiencing that these last couple of months with seeing your kids up close and personal, but have you noticed that that's been a bonus for you? Um, I am probably the wrong person to ask and, and I'll explain why. Uh, our, when they transitioned, well, my kids were in a school, uh, a charter school for kids with autism and learning disabilities. Um, and when COVID shut the schools down, they didn't really have a plan uh, or an online infrastructure to sort of help kids continue to learn. And so it became a drive to the school every Monday and pick up what amounted to busy work and coming home. And my, my kids were very resistant to doing that. And, and it became very, very problematic for me personally. And, and for them, uh, it got to a point where we, where I had to finally shut it down, uh, towards the end because the anxiety in the house was just way, way, way too high. And, and my kids are very, very intelligent and they were given busy work. They, they weren't being challenged and I didn't have really much say in what went on one way or the other. Okay. Um, in general, though, I will say that uh, I've been a, I've been a stay-at-home dad for about close to a decade now, and you know I work from home, uh, but I've been able to you know be hands-on with my kids every day since they were born, pretty much, and and that is a very rewarding experience, being able to watch them uh, learn and grow and see things for the first time and 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 stuff like that the way the education thing happened this, this year was, it was just, I was not prepared to take that on. My kids were already overwhelmed, uh, from, uh, my wife and I splitting, they were still struggling with that. Mm -hmm. We've had multiple deaths in the family and then COVID hit and they just didn't have it in them. Uh, so that's just, you know, because I've talked about that a lot. I do see an advantage to being able to witness your kids learning and, and seeing how they experience new things. I always say like, I love the way my kids think because mm -hmm. it's, it's so different than the way I think. And, and they always sort of challenge me to see things in a different way. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the autism or if it's just sort of who they are. Um, but, but I do, I mentioned that I'm doing online schooling this year uh, with mm -hmm. my kids and, and we're doing Ohio Connections Academy. We're not plugging it. Just that's who we opted to use. Right. Um, and part of me is, is nervous about how this is going to play out. But then the other part of me is is thinking like I've experienced so much uh, watching them grow up. Now I I can experience them learning like they did it, you know like they do in school, and we can come up with something yeah. that works for them, something that um, you know caters uh, to their needs, and uh, and and hopefully it can be a very positive experience. I guess I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. So Rob, is that public school or is that private? It's. As far as I know, it's public because anybody. So the, 
that's cool because the reason I picked K-12 is because it's a public school and it was completely free. Yes, this is free and as well. I needed that. They sent me a computer. Yep. They sent me all the materials. They sent me science equipment. They mm -hmm. sent me like a microscope and rocks to look at and um, like all of the notebooks that I needed. And you know what? I was a single parent and I, I was like destitute and I needed that. I, I, I just needed all of that help. And um, the other homeschooling programs that were um, true homeschooling programs were quite pricey, honestly. They would range from like anywhere from three thousand to seven or eight thousand dollars for the year. And yeah, that wasn't going to happen for me. So, and this was ten years ago. We're right. talking. So I don't know what they cost now. Um, and yeah, so that was like trying to send your kid to college. And that was just not going to happen for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I picked the free school all day long. <laughs> um, and again, it came with a free computer. I don't know if they still do that. Yeah, they. Um, we got, um, Elliot got his laptop earlier in the month. We're still waiting on all of Emmett's paperwork to be processed. Uh, mm -hmm. And then his will be his will be shipped out. So, I mean, in, anything that you would have available in the in the brick and mortar schools they make sure that you have in your home and it doesn't cost yes. it, there's no cost to it we had a teacher and she was very nice and class kids in the classroom and there were even field trips if we wanted to go on them and we didn't have to um and you know so that was the distance learning piece and it was good it worked for us we liked that uh, most of our other friends were doing something else though. They were doing true homeschooling where the moms were setting up the curriculum themselves and they were using materials that they bought, but they were picking and choosing what materials they wanted. So they would pick a math program and they would pick an English program and they would pick, oh, so my kid's doing ninth grade English, but sixth grade math and this and that. And that was overwhelming to me oh my I was, gosh. you know I had a really sick kid and I was still trying to work and make money and I had an ex who was not helpful I didn't have any help at all so I, I you know I was just trying to tread water all the time and most of the time I felt like I was not doing anything well it's all in my book anybody could read it. I was, I've been very blunt and honest about failing at everything in my life. So, um, but just trying to give everybody everything that they needed and just not feeling like I was doing a good job at anything. So it was not going to happen for me. I was not going to be, you know, the mother of the year and be able to pull together this great homeschooling program and be able to go to the homeschooling co-op and plan these great outings for my kid and do the zoo and this and that. And I love that people can do that and that that can work for you if that's something that you can pull together. Um, and Caroline, as I found out, had some learning challenges herself. She was completely bright, brilliant, creative, wonderful child. A lot of artistic children really are have so much going for them, but uh, had some other things going on. And being a sibling of a really, really sick kid, she had a lot of trauma and had yeah. a lot of, um, a lot of stuff going on because of that. Very anxious, very neurotic, um, you know, so you can imagine being, what being a sibling has done to her. I, I deal with that to some extent. Gavin is, is my oldest and he's 20, but cognitively he's about five-ish and emotionally as well. And uh, he has a lot of very serious health issues that, you know, he has he has a compromised immune system. So we have to do infusions uh, twice a week. He has a rare autonomic disorder that's almost killed him at least twice. Uh, and, and then he's also schizophrenic, which is a whole other mm. challenge.
um, my my two youngest who are uh, autistic and they deal with a lot of anxiety, but like the behavioral issues and, and the amount of attention that Gavin required when he was younger impacted the other kids. You know, they, they, as much as you try to balance everything out, it's, it's impossible to balance everything out, you know, where, where, where the kid that requires the most attention gets what they need. And the kids that still require your attention, uh, get what they need. It's really hard because you're, you get spread so thin and, um, I, I have, I've talked about this many times. Like I, I feel like a failure every day because yeah. they're on my best day. I'm not enough, uh, for what my kids need. And I had to set more realistic expectations for myself and, and, and stop expecting superhuman abilities. I've always said like being a special needs parent is, is it's a superhuman job that it's a job that requires superhuman abilities and, and we're only human and there's going to be things that drop. I mean, there just, there just is. And and so I totally get what you're saying. The idea of trying to set up a curriculum and maintain it and do this and do that while you're still trying to work and you're doing it on your own. And uh, now, especially with like COVID and everything else that's going on, how, how could, I don't know how people manage to do that. I know they do and my hat's off to them, but I would be, I would, I would drown. Now that, is still probably going to be a good choice for some of your listeners mm-hmm. and they're going to choose that. And that is great for them. Um, you know, great for them. So homeschooling is, you know, done by again, you know, picking your own curriculum and the parent is the teacher. So You've got your homeschooling, you've got your distance learning, and your online school is going to be really just your public school or your whatever your private school is. If your kid's going to a separate set aside private school um, and they are doing some version of virtual schooling, that's all. So you're going to continue your IEP and your placement and they're just doing virtual schooling. And so that's just your basic, you know, you're, you're just continuing your same situation in that, but you're just not going to your school to do it. So, so I guess that's where I get confused. So my kids are doing Ohio Connections Academy that's not tied to one of the local public schools in the area. That's right. So is that, that's distance learning. That's distance learning. See, I always thought it was online school and I thought distance learning was uh, like when the schools get shut down, but your school has online ability and you can like be in a virtual classroom or Google classroom or something like that. I I guess I I had those backwards. It's good. We're having this conversation. Yep. (laughs) Now, you asked me about unschooling, mm-hmm. which, you know, people get also confused about. Now, unschooling is pretty radical and very few people really do it. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. Unschooling is basically no schooling. Unschooling is a school of thought where it's, it's a slim, slim grouping of the homeschooling community where there is literally no teaching going on there's no there's no curriculum they feel that everything you do is part of learning and that the child is going to naturally learn in their environment so if they are just out in the world and they decide that they're interested in something that you're going to foster that interest more, so, like more hands and on. I'm probably mangling this a little bit because I'm not an educator. I'm an attorney, but and and so I know you. I'm going to get a lot of angry messages, Rob, from educators. I'm sure, and from um from homeschooling parents. But unschooling is where you know your child says, you know, someday, oh, you know, look at that pretty bird, and you know, what's that all about, and then 
you ask them if they, you know, if they're interested in birds or whatever, and then maybe you give them some books or you take them to the library and you ask them if they're interested in learning about birds. So you don't really have like this curriculum where in the second grade they learn about birds and in the third grade they learn about, you know, giraffes or whatever. You understand? You sort of follow their lead. Right. Uh, I've seen some specials on like documentaries on unschooling in the past. And I have mixed feelings about it personally. I mean, I, I, I don't judge anybody one way or the other because, you know, whatever works for you. Um, and my impression of it was sort of like a lot of what I do with like my oldest, because he, he, I pulled him out right after he started his freshman year in high school uh, because cognitively he had declined to a point where he wasn't benefiting from it. His health was such that uh, he was spending a lot of time in the hospital, you know, with his compromised immune system. It was like a Petri dish at the school and it just wasn't, it wasn't working out. So, so I withdrew him mm-hmm. and tried having the teachers come out to the house and, and teach him for a while, but then he would become very frustrated with that. It didn't work out. And and so what I have done since then, and it's, he's 20 now. So he was probably, where are you like 14 or 14 your freshman year, give or take? Um, yeah, we've been focusing on life skills and, and so that sort of reminded me when I think of unschooling, I sort of, I sort of think of it like that, where, where you sort of learn as you go and he's, you know, it's not a structured curriculum or anything like that, but like, okay, look, you know, there's laundry, let's learn how to do the laundry and let's, um, you know, use math to help us maintain our supplies during COVID lockdown or, um, you know, you, we, we, we found sort of creative ways to keep him learning in, in a non-traditional way, I guess, yeah. if that makes sense. And so I, I've never spoken to anybody Absolutely. who's, who's done that, uh, like, like whatever officially unschooling is. Um, and I, I don't know how easy it is to be a lot. Cause I, I know the state, I don't know if the state is super on board with that. I know in Ohio, I think like you have to petition to, I think it's sort of like a, a, a difficult thing maybe to navigate up front. It can't stop you anywhere. You do have a right federally to, to educate your children. So they, they can't stop you. So, um, they make it seem like they have more control over what you do with your children than maybe what you actually have. So absolutely. So look, um, you know, there are lots of, um, talking heads who, um, who have, you know, opinions about homeschooling and, um, the education of our children, et cetera, et cetera. And I mentioned in my blog post that you and I were talking about that, Um, Harvard Law School, right before the pandemic, had announced in June that they were having this this, um, great big debate and um, were having an event to discuss homeschooling where they were going to focus on problem, quote, problems of educational deprivation and child maltreatment that too often occur under the guise of homeschooling. And they were going to discuss, you know, things like, um, you know, how often children are, you know, stuck in cults and things like that when they're homeschooled and, you know, um, that seems a bit extreme, just crazy, crazy things. Um, and, um, Harvard law professor, Elizabeth Bartholet, um, and Tara Westover were, were speaking, I believe Tara Westover was speaking there. I can't remember, but, um, you know, they, they would talk about things like, homeschoolers are inferior with inferior social skills and they don't learn basic skills and they're indoctrinated with scary ideologies in the backwoods of America and just, you know, basic things like that. So, I mean, this was just this year. And again, you know, it's just all about people in their ivory towers who think that they know better than we do about how to educate our kids. 
Now, this is not news to us special needs parents. We deal with this all the time mm-hmm. when we sit at a table and, you know, advocate for our kids with 20 people over an IEP meeting. We know that we're the experts for our children and everybody around that table is trying to tell us what's the best way to educate our kids. We finally, I think, have an opportunity now to really have a fair discussion. This is the first time that the tables have been turned in the sense that We've been presented with an opportunity to have a fair discussion, finally, about education for our kids, right? Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for choice. It's an opportunity to have a voice. This is what I've been saying for the last couple of months. Everybody has an opportunity now to be heard, and we should be heard on what we want to do with our kids. As you've been talking about, a lot of people are afraid to return their kids to school. A lot of teachers are afraid to return to school. Mm -hmm. There's so much confusion about how we're going to be able to do this safely. It's, we're not done talking about this, you know, and we really need to make sure that parents have a voice and we are the experts on our kids and we, we've always had choice. But there's been this impression that we don't. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I think that's what I was trying to say is, is it's intimidating to try and take, if you decided that homeschooling was the right option or some form of non-traditional schooling, I guess, is, is the option, you sort of feel it, it could be intimidating to A, approach your school and tell them that you, you're looking to do this dealing with the sort of bureaucracy that you have in in the states and and then the idea that you know i i don't know that they really government wise they really want you doing that i think they want everybody in a public school system ideally and and so when you would ask me in the beginning like what did i think of homeschoolers before covid basically and and, you know, I was thinking about it while we were talking and you, I, I think that there was an assumption where, where you would sort of think that people who were homeschooling your kids were sort of anti-establishment or, um, you know, they had fundamental issues with the government or there was sort of fanaticism with religion or, or, or something along those lines. And, and, and I think that there are people out there who fall into that category and and they may be the vocal minority that be, has become sort of the face of of the non traditional schooling community. Um, but when you are in a classroom of of thirty or forty kids or twenty or thirty kids, however many are in the typical classroom anymore, you everybody has to learn sort of the same way. And and that was one of the issues that I had uh, with my kids was. There, Emmett especially Emmett specifically is is brilliant with math, and he does it all in his head. Like like he sort of does like this. I envision him seeing things sort of like floating around as he's figuring out these complex math problems in his head. If you ask him to write it down, show his work, he can't really do it. But but he can give you the right answer every time. And and, and when they started pushing the Common Core curriculum on him, uh. And, and math changed, he lost all desire to, to do math anymore, you know, and, and, and the idea of, of, you know, homeschooling and being able to teach your kids the way, maybe cater it more to the way that they learn individually is an attractive option. I, I think it's a, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility and it, and it's, I, I'm not going to say that it's easy. Um, yeah. and then if you factor right. in special needs on top of that, then it becomes like, holy crap. Like I, I, I'm, I'm telling you at some point I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my kids out of the school this year for the first time, because I don't believe there's any way to ensure their safety at this point. 
and my oldest is immunocompromised, so we just can't take any chances. And I don't know what I would do if Elizabeth was still here. I'm sure she'd be home too, because she wouldn't be safe. And yet, you know, we're hearing from people who just really like every everybody has a different opinion and things are different depending on where you are. And as I said, it's time for us to be talking. I think this pandemic has given us an opportunity to look at our educational system for all children with fresh eyes. You know, it's very unique time. And, um, but particularly for our kids with special needs, I, I want for us to put all of our preconceived notions aside. Our system wasn't working well before as it was. And, um, I think the fact that we're having so much difficulty um, educating our kids in this uh, in this online schooling forum, and you got busy work sent home for you, and we, you know none of us was really able. We weren't really able to um, in any big way. It was like going through the motions. It's a it's a wonderful time to wipe the slate clean and start fresh. Like what why be in a big hurry, you know? Let's let's kind of think about this. We have such a great opportunity now. And in thinking this through, I I would love to leave our audience today with some things to consider. Here's a few things to consider when you're trying to figure out for you what is the right thing. Is homeschooling or distance learning or online school the right thing for me? What do I need to be thinking about to figure the figure out the answer to this question? So would, what do I need to be thinking about? Would it be good if we jumped into that right now? Sure. Okay. So I think as the parent or the caregiver, you should be thinking about if you have the ability the desire and the time to create your own curriculum because remember you and I talked about that that's that's hard that's time consuming and not everybody can do that so that's important to be honest with yourself about whether you really can take that on and you don't have to so thinking that through before you jump into it is a good thing and it's not a weakness if you can't because exactly. the last thing you want to do is is overcommit and underdeliver because right. you're talking right, about right. your kids education and like I'm as you're sitting here talking about that I'm just thinking like oh man there is like I can't even imagine trying to balance that and mm-hmm. and it's more of like a a customized version of um sort of like at home education where you can customize everything to meet the specific needs of your kids, but it yes. requires, I mean, that's, it's gotta be a full-time job just doing that on yes. top of being a parent, on top of trying to work on top of the special yes. needs. And I, you know, mad respect to anybody out there who's able to pull that off. That, that is not a reasonable and expectation may, that I can put on myself. You may have the desire, but not the time. Because my number two question is, as the parent or caregiver, do you require special training that you don't yet have to teach or, or to care for your child? And I'm gonna give you an example. My daughter Elizabeth was blind. I may want to create a curriculum for her, but if I'm not a teacher for the blind or visually impaired, I may really lack the, the skill set that yeah. I need to be able to create a curriculum for her that I need for a year's worth of materials. And despite my desire to homeschool her, truly homeschool her, not distance learning, not being a facilitator for somebody else to be her teacher, but to truly be the teacher and set the curriculum. It wouldn't be in her best interest. I think that I could do that. Yeah. So that's another consideration. So remember all of the points that Rob and I made about the dis- the difference between distance learning and homeschooling and distance and what you're trying to do. And distance learning is 
again, because I was confused with that. That's like K through 12. That's like Connections Academy. That's um, somebody else. Is it's, a, it's a separate entity and you connect to them via uh, the computer. Right. And um, so you're purchasing, you're jumping on board, either purchasing a curriculum that somebody else is running or it's a public school curriculum, but it's not your regular public school curriculum. Yeah. And then your online schooling is going to be your IEP, your public school curriculum. So those are the differences. Yeah. Those are your options. And then the, the online schooling is sort of a virtual classroom for your existing brick and mortar building. Right. So rather than get on the bus and drive to school every day, you get up and you go sit in front of your laptop and yep. and you do that. Okay. So those are the, the, the three main types. And then there's the unschooling, which is sort of a, Nothing. Whole, a whole nother it's thing. Like you do wherever your curiosity takes you. Yeah. And there's no agenda, no curriculum, whatever it is. I, you know, I wonder what the, I'd be interested in learning things like that sort of fascinate me. And I would be interested in learning if, if there've been studies done on the outcome, you know, how, how do kids fare in these different uh, environments? Because I, I think. You definitely have been. You definitely have been. I, I think one of the issues that, um, you know, my wife and I had debated at the time with like the, the high school that my son was going to go to this year uh, was whether or not it would prepare him for college. Now he doesn't think yep. he wants to go to college, but I mean, that'll all change. I'm sure, you know, and it, and it was, you know, it's not so much what I, I think you can be in an environment where maybe the education isn't up to snuff with like other schools in the area, but your child can still do well in college. You know, I, I there's a lot of, um, a lot of homeschoolers go to college Rob, yeah. and many of them go early by the way. Well, that's, you know, that's the other thing when, when we're doing their, their, their distance learning, I've been calling it online school. I need to change that. Um, they're only in school. They're only actively doing something. It's like four and a half hours a day, five days a week. So it's half the time and they get to accelerate at their own pace. Whereas right. previously they've been held back because they, right. they, they have to go as, they can only go as fast as the, as the sort of the slowest you know, person in, in the race. And, and, uh, you know, Emmett, for example, was doing like, he's, he's going into seventh grade, but like in fifth grade, he was doing eighth and ninth grade math. And, um, and, and you know, they, they get to a point where he can only get so far and then he just has to sit sort of stagnant and, and wait for everybody else to catch up. And so that that's great for our audience to know too, is that if you're doing distance learning, you are able to jump ahead. Mm -hmm. If you are doing your online schooling with your public school, you have to stay at pace with the classroom. Yeah. So that so there is an advantage. Opportunities yeah. When you're doing distance learning, even though it is a public school, you do have more opportunity to, to jump ahead. So my daughter, Caroline, finished her math curriculum in like about half a year. And she was able to start up the next math level um, really quickly. So that was really good for her. She was able to get ahead in math because that was good for her. But she didn't finish her curriculum in history because she's a slow reader and had more difficulty with her executive function. So, and this is, this is nice about distance learning. You can do that. And then one of the things just to mention, and maybe we need to do like an, an episode specifically um, on this in the future, uh, especially depending on how everything sort of works out this fall and, and we kind of see the direction that this country is going in. But IEPs are still available, you know, like with uh, Connections Academy for us. I mean, they one of the first things they wanted to know was, does his, do we need his IEP to carry over? Do we need... Yes do we need to set this up or that up or whatever in public school? So you still have yep. your IEP and you still have all of your rights as a public school student. That does mean that if you have testing 
then you know you still are going to have whatever state testing and all of that as well. So you can have so, your accommodations and extra right. time and whatever exactly. whatever you need to to help your mm -hmm. child sort of level the playing field to help your child attain yeah. you know reach their potential. And that's something that I think we should do a whole episode just on IEPs because I get so many questions about IEPs because that that's such a difficult thing and scary and overwhelming thing for parents to, to navigate. Uh, well, I, I, and again, I, you know, we are, I think, you know, back to leveling the playing field on being able to advocate and navigate those IEPs because now, now that we've all been home with our kids, we have a lot more information to be able to advocate. So we could talk about that. That's true. Cause you, rather than relying on secondhand information from the school as to what your child needs, you have more firsthand insight because you're there experiencing it firsthand and it gives you a little bit more yes. understanding. That actually brings me to my other couple of pointers that I want people to be thinking about as they're thinking about what to consider um, when they're choosing homeschooling versus distance learning versus online school with their public schools is how has their child responded to being at home with less stimuli? Because that's going to help them make some decisions about what environment um, and, and have they regressed without their peers at home. So that's another issue to consider. So you're talk, talking about the social aspect. Yes. Yeah. Um, because some people have done really well with less stimuli and less peers and other people have not done well at all. And, you know, like you, I'm hearing all kinds of different stories about how things are going for people. And then, you know, something that's really going to be impactful is whether a child has a low incidence disability, like being blind or being deaf, because that requires very special intervention. And that is really going to be impactful when looking for, do I homeschool? Do I distance learn? Do I need to go back to my public school system or my specialty school? Um, my daughter went to Perkins School for the Blind. You're not going to get a better education than that if you have a blind student, you know? So, you know, I would be thinking, how am I going to replicate this on my own? Um, and does your child require any special equipment that you can only get at school, such as a vision room or a standing frame? Does your child have a medical condition that's going to make it too risky to return to a classroom without a vaccine or herd immunity? Well, we talked about that. Yeah. I mean, most people are feeling very concerned about that. And then you're going to have your own special considerations to add to this list as well. So those are things I want to make sure that we get out so that people can you know, have that list of considerations while they're figuring out what to do. Um, and then guess what? Call a meeting, call a meeting, team meeting, and, you know, have that conversation about what you're going to do with your team in your school district, because just because they're opening school up or they're telling you that it's going to be X, Y, Z does not mean that you don't have choice. You do. And, and the other thing too, uh, before we, um, close this out is, is that, and this is one of the things that I was worried about is, is this isn't set in stone. Like if you try distance learning and it doesn't work out for your child, you don't have, to, you, it's not like a one way trip where you can't, um, you know, put them back into a brick and mortar school at some point or switch to a, a different form of, uh, you know, kind of remote or, or at home learning. Um, that was one of the things that I was concerned about was like, what happens if we try this and it, it's just not sustainable or, or it's not working for them. What are my options? Am I, am I stuck doing this, you know, for the rest of their, uh, career in school or, or can we, uh, you know, remove and, and go back or do something different. And, and my understanding is that you have that ability to do it. It may be not easy to do and it's like switching schools wouldn't be easy to do, but, uh, you do have options. Yes. And I guess that's, and that, that's what matters is people need to know that they have options. You can call a team meeting at any time to talk about your child's 
you can't instantaneously change something. You know, it's Wednesday and on Monday, I want to return my child to school. Well, that's not going to happen, but you can call a team meeting anytime to talk about your child's placement, to talk about your child's IEP, to talk about your child's individualized healthcare plan, to talk about anything that has to do with your child's education. Your child has a right to be educated and your child has a right to go to school in their local school. So given those things, you know, you can make it happen. Um, there's a lot of factors that need to be figured out, but eventually you can make it happen. So with all of that, <laughs> I know that there's a lot more that needs to be worked out and it's a lot easier said than done. Um, but I really wanted parents to understand, parents and caregivers to understand that they do have a lot of power and a, a lot of choice in what's going on and that they should have their voice be heard. That they, just because the schools are opening or just because things are being done a certain way doesn't mean that they have to follow along with that. They are the experts in their child and they are, you know, they're entitled to say what happens in their family. And I do, I do think that, um, we should coordinate on another episode dealing with, um, IEPs because I mean, navigating an IEP might fundamentally be, well, it may be the same, but the process might be different when you're dealing with online or no wait, distance learning, right? Distance learning. Uh, cause I, I had to get the terminology, right? Um, so, so, and, and just IEPs in general, I just had, I just got an email from somebody who, uh, was, was concerned about something and, and I haven't gone through the whole thing yet, but, but something with the upcoming school year and their IEP and they don't know what to do. And, and I think parents, don't realize how much control and how much power they actually do have. And, yes. and it's easy for a school to say, Oh, we don't want to do this or we don't want to do this. But uh, I mean, there's, there, there's, you have a lot more power than they allow you to believe you do. And a lot of times I think parents end up settling for things because they don't, they don't realize that they have the power to do more. Oh, I know. And I, I, I can't believe how fast this hour went by. Yeah. I'm happy to come back anytime. Uh, yeah, to talk I, about it. I appreciate that because it's gonna it's gonna be an issue. There, and, and then and then you're gonna have new accommodations that might need to be made because the whole environment has changed. And people are gonna want to have those individualized healthcare plans even when they've never had them before because they're gonna be a lot yeah. of people who are gonna be scared. So yeah, I think it's a great idea. Them. Um, how can people find you? Uh, our website is specialneedscompanies.com. It's probably the fastest way to reach me because we do a lot of stuff. That's not just our law group. It, um, and, uh, my book is on Amazon, so mm -hmm. that's probably the easiest way. Okay. And yeah. And Rob was on our podcast and he was phenomenal. So you should oh, definitely thank you. check out that episode. We that was had a lot so of fun. Much fun. Um, and that's Parenting Impossible. And you can find that on, um, well, anywhere, really. iTunes and it's anywhere you find your podcasts. Cool. And I'll have all links uh, that you just brought up will be in the show notes so that people can just click and connect. We'll make it as simple as possible. And uh, and we'll go from there. I, I really appreciate your time. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. So, I, Thanks, I again, stay safe, uh, stay healthy. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Rob. This is great. Thank Thanks. you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Before I close things out today, I just want to say thank you to Annette for taking the time to uh, come on the show and, and giving it a second chance because the first time fell through literally at the last minute. Um, but for taking the time to come on the show and helping to educate us on what our rights are as parents in regards to uh, our, our children's education. You know, we're living in a time right now where parents like myself uh, are, are terrified about sending our kids back to the classroom. Um, you know, COVID is, is, a, it's a life and death situation and 
uh, you know, it's important that we know what our options are so that we don't make decisions based on what we feel we are forced into. And it's always good to have options. It's always good to understand what those different options are. It's good to understand what our rights are as parents. And uh, I really appreciate Annette's experience and her insights and her willingness to so openly share about her family experience, um, the passing of her daughter, uh, you know, the things that she learned along the way to sort of help us better navigate life. And, um, you know, I said this in the intro, I am, I am so honored to be able to call her my friend. Uh, I, I just, I'm very grateful, uh, for your time Annette. So thank you very, very much. I will have all of Annette's information in the show notes below. So you'll find a link to her book, uh, website, all that stuff will be there. So, um, you can check that out. As for me, you can find me at theautismdad.com. All of my links are at the top of the page. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast in any one of your favorite podcasting apps. Just smash that subscribe button. I'd appreciate that. Please remember to rate and review uh, the podcast if you haven't done so already. I really uh, appreciate that. It's very helpful. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys stay safe and healthy. Remember to wash your hands, social distance, wear a mask, uh, avoid crowds. If you can stay home, stay home. Um, you know, we will get through this. I hope you guys have a wonderful Friday, uh, a safe and happy weekend, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com that's K-I-N-U-U dot com. And be sure to use the code the autism data checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.